And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Thank you so much, Covenant Church. Thank you, Jonathan, for that really good explanation of what local church missions is. Where are you, Jonathan? Was really, didn't y'all think that was good? What we do here, then Jerusalem, the ends of the earth, and then at the ends of the earth where you sent us <clears throat> 37 years ago, uh, this December 6th. Uh, we do all those things. We train, you know, evangelize, teach, do the same things you're teaching here, raising kids, reach our city there. But there was one thing he didn't say. Test. What did he say? What did he miss? That we also teach them there to go to the ends of the earth. I don't think you said that. That was a really, really, I'm not being critical. You're probably going to cut off our support now. You know, because, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but you agree with that. And that may be the hardest thing is it's the hardest thing for you here as well. We're, we're prone to look at what's in front of us. And guess what the church in Japan is prone to do once it is born, <laughs> to look at what's in front of us as well. I need to start my iPhone. I told the class, I had, or the uh, group earlier, I had an hour and a half sermon. I don't, but uh, I got my iPhone right here. So uh, if you, I want to just try to do a three-minute report. Some of it, folks that were there this morning heard it. Can you uh, show the, there's, that's how when we came to visit you 37 and a half years ago, and then we went to Japan uh, 37 years ago this December, how we looked. This is how we look now. This is a more complete picture. <laughs> uh, but we're still missing four or five. This was two and a half years ago. And then now, uh, next picture. So you, you sent us because three Japanese pastors who were the fruit of World War II missionaries who went to Japan after World War II invited PCA to send a team to work with them to start a cluster of churches, a presbytery. And we went with a team. Here's the next picture. We went. 
And the first job, I know some of you this morning saw some of these, I'm just gonna breeze through them for everybody, and was so slow, so hard, wanted to quit every week, no fruit the first four years. We started worship in our city, oh, you me know, who will build this church? Oh, you me know, can you say that? Oh, you me know, oh, you me know. And that's where we started this church, five Christians, 30 non-Christians, and then first year, 13 people were baptized, adults, and then 20, and then 50, then a afternoon worship, then a bilingual worship, then three sites. Praise the Lord. You guys are a part of that. Well, you mean no church, a school. Next, the presbytery was born by God's grace. So, you know, it was, seemed like that will never happen. It was so slow and so hard. You guys kept praying for us, kept sending us back each time, kept being a part of this with your faithful giving, and then raising up Japanese pastors, some Korean pastors. Uh, now, isn't that encouraging? You, you know, we, all, we don't see things happen fast often. It's like raising kids, you know? You don't see it. It takes a long time. So, but, but God has been at work by his grace. Next. Now, this picture, you know two of the people in this picture. And uh, Lydia and Emily came and worked with us for a while. And I want to, now, why would people go? The other two, two 24-year-olds, four 17, 18, 19-year-olds who came to serve. Why would people do that? It's because of the theme we're talking about today. Today, we're going to look at Luke 15. We read the prodigal son part of the story. But we want to think about the whole chapter, the great love of the Father. Why would people go to the ends of the earth to serve? Especially, I want to think about this older couple. If we go back to that picture, please. My wife and I had to come back to America for, I think, a wedding or something. Maybe my father's 90th birthday. And we needed someone to come live in our house with all these young people. Y'all agree we shouldn't just leave them all there, right? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and this couple, Elder from Nashville, and his wife came for two weeks to live there and serve so that we could go be part of a family event back here in America. Wonderful couple. That, why'd they do that? Because of what we're talking about today. Because of Christ's love for them. The gospel that came to them. But actually their story is a bigger commitment than that. Because they didn't come from America, they didn't come from Nashville, those an elder in the PCA church in Nashville. They came from China. Because they needed to get their visa renewed to be on mission in China in their 70s. They had been in China for, I think, more than 10 years. Do you remember, Emily? Was it a long time? They'd been in China for a while. He realized he could do his business from China. And so they had no kids, no grandkids. They moved to China to serve Christ on mission in China. But they needed to get out of China to renew their visa. So instead of going back to their home country, America, they came and served in our house driving the car, teaching at the school, helping out for two weeks, and then went back to China. Why would anybody do that? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the kind of things we call people to, young people, old people, 18, there's still all these opportunities all around the world. Today we want to think about this, God's heart for the nations. Next slide, please. Yeah. I told you some years ago, Five years ago, I told you about this. Why this guy, Commander of Cheetah, led the attack on Pearl Harbor, became a pastor, <laughs> converted, became a pastor because of this good news of the gospel. 
changed his whole life to go on mission for Jesus. Next guy, when he heard about that attack on Pearl Harbor, remember I told you about him five years ago. He got all angry. I want to go kill Japanese people. He, the Doolittle Raid crash landed in China, got captured by the occupation Japanese, put in a prison, brutalized by the Japanese soldiers, but they gave him a Bible. He came to faith, Holy Spirit, reading the Bible, no one to evangelize him, and he said, if I ever get out of here, I'm going to go be a missionary in what country? Japan. Is that not counterintuitive? Why would anyone do that? Because of this gospel that we're talking about. Again, this first message of the missions conference is first the gospel to us, God's love to us, prodigals and older brothers. And, you know, this is the great love of the Father. And then he puts us on mission. For if we don't know that gospel that we sang about, you know, we got to know that, receive that, be moved and changed by that. And then we go on mission like he did. He went back to Japan. And who knocked on his door one day? Next slide. Commander Shida. The two, they both became pastors in Japan. The guy who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. How about that? This is what this gospel does. It makes us new and puts us on mission. And part of Commander Fuchita's story, which I told you five years ago, is this young lady. Why the Japanese soldiers who killed her parents in the Philippines, missionary kid who had been in Japan, spoke Japanese when a call went out that we need people to speak Japanese to be in the hospitals on the West Coast to serve the Japanese soldiers and translate. Guess who volunteered? Young Peggy, whose parents had been killed by Japanese soldiers. Missionaries fled Japan, went to the Philippines, and the Philippines soldiers found her, found her parents, and killed them. She was in the States in college. Why would anyone do that? Really? Go serve the soldiers of the army that had killed her parents because of the gospel that we read about in Luke 15. This is why we go do these kinds of things around the world. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Next slide. Uh, Luke 15, we see this. We read just the prodigal son part of the story, but we see the whole chapter is a great way to start our missions conference. God's heart for lost people. That's what this whole chapter is about. We see the younger brother, kind of lost person. The older brother, kind of lost person. A Pharisee, does everything, working hard in the field. The only one not in the party, right? The older brother, only one not in the party. And he looks good on the surface. We see the main character of the story. The father, who represents who? God, and this loving heavenly father. But we see the implicit call to mission. And even more than implicitly in this, this response, because we see in the whole chapter, the reason Jesus is telling these stories is because the first two verses, the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus because who's he with on mission? Who's he with? He's with sinners and tax collectors and bad people. So that's what we want to look at today. First, let's look at this prodigal son, the bad son, the heart for God for lost people. And we want to think, this is the text we read. We're going to read some of the other parts of, uh, 
Luke 15 is a long passage, so we didn't read the whole thing at first. We'll read more later. This, the prodigal son, is committing the sin of Adam. He wasn't satisfied in his father's love. He had everything, <laughs> and he came to see that later. Today, in every worship service, we want to find things we can repent, repent of. Where are we seeking comfort or satisfaction in things that are not in our relationship with God. We think they will satisfy like he did. It was fun for a while, he thought. But sure enough, it was pig's food. And pretty soon, he came to his senses. It's pig's food, right? We know that, don't we? As we go out and we try, we think these other things, fill in the blank for you. What is your tendency as a prodigal or an older brother who's pretending to have it all together like the older brother did in this story? It's pig's food, Luke 12, 15. Life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions. But wow, I come back to America. Even though Japan is so rich, America even more. I think the tendency to think the abundance of possessions will satisfy us. Sometimes it takes losing it all, like the prodigal son, to realize, <laughs> no, no, there's a better, a better place. There's a better home. There's a loving father. Sometimes, like Solomon, he didn't lose it all. He got everything, you know, women and money and power and everything. And then what did he say about it? It all is vanity. It's like chasing after the wind, you know? So some of today, so here in this, in this message, we see the father's love, you know, when this son, he finally came to ascend. Maybe some of us today, Chasing those things, maybe, you know, maybe like the younger brother. And realizing, he, verse 17, he comes to his senses. He starts thinking rightly. I always ask people in Japan when I'm studying this passage in baptism class, when did he really repent? He's thinking about it. You know, back at my father's house, I, you know, I, even the servants have bread. When did he really repent? I always say it's verse 20, when he got up and started going back to his father's house. And he started heading back there, thinking in his head, will he forgive me? He doesn't say that in the text. You think he was thinking that? Will he forgive me? Will he take me back? We'll talk about that later. He realizes his sin. He goes to the... And what does the father do? Father loves this young son of his. Runs. Runs after him. Friends, today, this is our heavenly father. He runs out to meet Sinners. This is, this is the, the good news of Jesus Christ. In Japan, often one of the things we hear is people start coming to Bible study, then to church. Think of Mr. I, but this kind of story had been repeated many times, said, yeah, I'm not good enough yet to become a Christian. My wife has believed and been baptized, but I'm not good enough to be a, a Christian, so I'm going to keep coming and reading the Bible. I say, friend, it's only going to get worse. The more you hang around Christians, guess what? The more you read the Bible, guess what? You're going to see more of your sin, and you're actually going to think you're further away. What do we need to do today? Maybe some, somebody here, maybe someone who is a pretend Christian, to, to run to the Father. And in Christ, this is why Jesus came and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. And remember, the, the prodigal, he runs back, he's going to, Dad, I'm sorry, I messed up, you know, I'll just be a servant. And what does the Father do? No, doesn't want any of that. Call, get the fatted calf. Throw a party. My son who was lost has come home. That's the way 
the Lord is friends, the longer we're in Christian circles and reading, the more we see our sin. Tell that to Japanese, I tell my Marine Corps story of uh, being out in training for six days and newly, newly married, and I would always come home and hug my wife, but we smelled so bad. <laughs> you know, out in the Camp Lejeune bush for all those days, no showers, and I come in the door, you know, second year, third, third year of marriage, and come in, she says, get away from me, you know, <laughs> you smell so bad. I didn't smell it. Why, why didn't I smell it? You know, after I, she said, burn, burn that uniform, you know. And, uh, and then after I got a shower and went back out to the garage, oh, it does smell really bad. What happened? Why did I not smell it? Because everybody else around me smelled the same. And because what do we get? Don't we get used to stuff? We get used to our sin and our, it's the same kind of thing. And, but this, I think, in Mr. I, finally he realized he ran to Jesus, believed, took like five years because he realized, you're right, Pastor Dan, the more, I, the more I come to worship, come to Bible study, come to men's cell group, see, I am really a sinner. Not just the prodigal kinds, prodigal kinds of sins. The younger brother, everybody knew that was, verse 30, the older brother says he's playing with prostitutes, you know. But the older brother kind of sins too. Jesus Loves older brothers too. He's the only one not in the party. Verses 25 through 32, we didn't read that text. I'll saw, you've read it before. The older brother, does he look good on the surface, everyone? He is. Just a model child from Covenant Presbyterian Church. <laughs> Disciplined, working hard. Isn't one of the dangers in our Christian families, in Christian school, homeschool, public school, whatever, but by... We can raise disciplined little Pharisees who look good on the surface, working hard, don't know their sin. I don't think, did we confess Pharisee sins this morning in the confession? Maybe not this morning. Do we need to? How many need to confess Pharisee kind of sins like me? I, how many have a tendency, now I won't have you raise your hand, but think, pretend to raise your hand. How many, your tendency is to be the younger brother kind of sinner, running away after what everybody knows are bad sins, or the Pharisee older brother working hard in the field, looking good on the surface, and tend to be, for some reason in our PCA circles, it's easier to raise our hand for the older brother kinds of sins. But here's what I ask you. I'll raise both of my hands as being someone who has been both within the same hour. And I bet a lot of you could raise your hands and say, you have to. Things we have done, we've seen, we've thought, words we've spoken, where we've done both in this. Are we, as Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, chief of sinners or not? You know, you're a missionary in Japan. Here's, here's a Pharisee sin, like the older brother, trying to look good, you know, trying to just being a, a, a approval suck, want everybody to think I'm really a good pastor in Japan, want you to think I'm a good missionary, the missionary you spent 37 years worth of support on is a good missionary, does a good sermon. We did a good, can I confess to you that's in my heart? Same in Japan, pastor of a church. When we went through a really hard unity time, started a 6 a.m. prayer meeting. Every morning I would go 6 a.m. We would pray for our church, pray for the struggles we're going through. 
God brought us through that year. It was like our 11th year in Japan. And I kept going every morning. And once the problems were over, no one came most days. And I would still go. We're praying for our church, praying for our city. And I was there one morning, and I did not want to be there. 6 a.m., have to leave the house at 20 to 6, you know. And I'm sitting there, Bible there, Bible closed. What am I doing here? 6.05, 6.10. And I hear someone coming up the stairs. Have you ever heard of the sin of opening your Bible? And as someone, I, heard, I could hear them right outside the door where we had the prayer meeting, about 6.10. And as the door started to open, I opened my Bible. <laughs> Was that a sin? What was behind? Here's a grown man opening his Bible. Why? Why did I do that? To look good. Oh, this, our brains are amazing. Here's what went through my brain in a millisecond. Whoever's coming in this room is going to think, yes, Pastor Dan, he came all the way from America, learned Japanese. He's, he's sitting here. No one comes to prayer meeting but he's here praying for me and our church and our city. What a godly man he is. Right? In a millisecond. That's why. Everybody agree? Is that, is that a Pharisee sin or not? Anybody ever done one like that? You don't have to raise your hand. We, we have, haven't we? Wanting to look good. That's me. But the Holy Spirit works and teaches us that vein of sin as well. And about 10 or 15 minutes later, as he and I are praying and reading scripture, the Holy Spirit work, and I confessed that sin to him. I said, you know, brother, my Bible wasn't open till one second before you opened that door. Would you please forgive me, God? Please forgive me for being a phony, for being a pretender, for being a Pharisee, a hypocrite, right? We know about it. And guess what? Jesus is a savior for this kind of sinner too. Because what does the father do in the story? There's only one person not in the party. The, the Pharisee. He's critical. He's critical of the younger brother. And who else is he critical of? The father. But the father goes out of the party. Asking him to come in the party. See, our heavenly father is, <laughs> he loves Sinners, older brother type sinners, younger brother type sinners, and he comes after us. And that's this third point, the love of the Father. Let's think about this, the love of Jesus, our loving, gracious, heavenly Father. He, he goes after sinners. He's not, you know, he's not just loving, he's gracious. I thought about this. I had it in my Japanese notes from when I preached on this, this text in Sendai, Japan, at one of our church plans. had a note that, all the songs that we sing are love songs in the secular culture, not songs about grace. You know, nothing about grace, in, but all about love, 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 love. But the, the gospel word, love, grace, they all make mercy was in there. All these mixed together that we see for the Father. He's loving and he's gracious to sinners. He's giving unmerited favor to sinners. He loves sinners and goes after older brother type, younger brother types. 
I, I know this from my father. We have, we have nine children, as you saw. We have eight who know Christ in good churches, have married godly people, have wonderful spouses. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's God's blessing. And we have one who doesn't, has this last couple years, doesn't believe. When I woke up at 2 a.m. last night, I'm thinking about the message today and the busy day Jonathan planned for me. Guess what the first thought was that came to my mind at 2 a.m.? Who? My son. That I love so much. And this number of people here, I'm sure there's some like that. There's many people. A son, a daughter, grandchild. That's a prodigal. Or maybe worse, a Pharisee. Who thinks they're okay, but don't see their sin. And our Heavenly Father, you know, like, like my love for my son. That we, that our Heavenly Father runs after us and he's calling us today. See, this is really the heart behind this fourth point of going on mission with Jesus. We've got to be controlled by the love of Christ, constrained by the love of Christ. We've come to him, become Christians, but then Christians who are moved by this gospel. We've got to go. You know, we, we realize this danger, right? Everybody see the danger of, of uh, as parents, which kind of kids make us look good? The younger brother type kids or the older brother type kids? Moms, older brother, I remember our oldest two got in trouble with the police in Japan, you know, uh, number two. Oh, you all support him. (laughs) Got in trouble with the police. Cost us $1,500, you know. What a prodigal, you know. Number one, his older brother got suspended from school, you know, made me look bad as a missionary, you know, just got in trouble. Both of those two are teaching elders in the PCA now, okay. You know, know, they... uh, they, you know, they're prodigal. They, everyone else knew they were sinners, and uh, they came to know it too, and they needed Jesus. Our third son did everything right. Always did his homework. We even thought one time, as our two oldest were there, you know, this was a long time ago, so it was one of our very conservative churches, you know, and no kids wearing, boys wearing earrings, maybe not girls. And, uh, you know, no dyed hair. And our two, Jonathan and Danny, they're very radical in the way they dress and what they wear. And, and, uh, and, and we thought, going to this very conservative supporting church of ours, we thought about, let's just leave Danny and Jonathan at home. <laughs> we actually thought that. Isn't that terrible? Let's just take Joel, who makes us look good. Whose soul was in the most danger? Joel. Wasn't until college that he came to really see his sin. The sin of being a hypocrite, of being a Pharisee, and really converted, came to Christ. Like so many of our covenant children, made many decisions along the way, but really transformed, saw his sin. Then got married, then he really saw his sin, right? His wife helped him, right? We help each other on that, right? Like marriage, like pouring miracle grow on our sin, right? (laughs) We see it. We see it. But Jesus is the Savior for sinners. And see, this 
This brings us to the last point, the, the call to be on mission, right before, yeah, the call to be on mission comes out of all this. We need all that foundation today for you, wherever you are. See, the first two stories, <clears throat> the next slide, the first two stories we see are about someone going to look for the lost. We, as we look at here, th this is how the chapter starts. Again, we need the context to understand all of Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. That's the context of Luke 15. Then what does Jesus do? What's the sin of these people? Do they look good on the surface? Yes. Can, can prodigals not be on mission, not care about other people? Yes. There's a real tendency for Pharisees and hypocrites to not be on mission and to not care, to be judgmental of other people and not to go after the law. So Jesus, after, there, he know, he's God. He knows they're being critical of him in his heart, in their hearts. And what does he do? He tells three stories. And what are they about? The love of the Father, yes. But they're about the love of the Father for sinners. They're about mission. And about them not being on mission. Story of the lost sheep, story of the lost coin, and story of the lost son. And in the first two, someone goes looking for the lost thing. Have you ever noticed? In the third one, no one ever, no one goes looking for the lost son. Who was supposed to go looking for the lost son? Learn this from Tim Keller. I'd never thought about this before. What should that older brother have done? Gone looking for his brother. Did the older brother love what the father loved? This is one of his, this is, friend, this is, sin. this is, we also need to confess, and put, please put it in your confessions often, not just the Pharisee sins for sure. We're probably in the PCA better at those, really, we, we are. But also the sin of omission, of not being on mission, right? Of not, you know, the older brother could care. In fact, he was probably a hindrance to his brother coming home. Who do you think that is that brother's walking along, coming home, he's thinking, is my father going to forgive me? Man, I was really bad. Is he going to forgive me? What do you think he thought? Like my dad, my dad, I always saw my dad forgive sinners, love sinners. So pastor taking people in our home. I remember he, he brought in an addict who was really having a young man, took him into our house. I was younger, probably junior high school. Very affected watching my dad my whole life, being on mission, loving people. This guy, my parents cared for him, fed him, helped him. He stole our money and fled our house. And my dad would have been right and just to get the police, find him. Instead, my dad went, found him, loved him, brought him home, and hid our money better. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, Father, if I was walking down that road, I would have been thinking, I know my father. <laughs> He's going to love and forgive me and welcome me home. But if I was this prodigal, you know what else I'd be thinking? I just hope my older brother is nowhere near that front gate. Do you get it? 
I've said often in Japan, when we built our building there, you're building a new building, you should put this across the front. In Japanese, sumibito, irashai, sinners, welcome. Now, we didn't do that. But that's what we want, isn't it? Pharisee-type sinners, younger brother-type sinners, all types, that's who the gospel is for, us. And we need to go on mission passively, being a welcoming community, not being this tendency we have to be critical and to love, to love younger brothers, older brothers, to be on mission with them. This is what God calls us to do, to love sinners. The whole Bible, this message of the Bible, is like leaving the 99 sheep and going after the one. What do you think about that? So what if your pastor, your pastors, really left the 99 and spent more time on the one? Would you be critical of them? Or would you say, ooh, this is biblical? If our giving was, was more in balance with this idea in Scripture of going to the lost and caring for the lost, what happens? Talked about it yesterday with leaders. As Tim Keller says, I think it's in Center Church, there's a tendency, which, which do you think is better at reaching lost people generally, a new church plant or a church 40 years old? Which do you think is more missional so often? Generally speaking, it's the new church plant. You see it reaching younger people. You know, it's easier for young leaders to step in because they're not a bunch of old leaders, you know. Easier to, that we're able to adapt a little quicker to welcome people and to do things. You know, we got to, so here's a challenge as a church. You guys have, your church has so much good stuff. Do you need to be careful? But like Keller says, those internal forces which affect an older church, been around for decades, of caring more and more about the lost or caring more and more about ourselves. Caring more and more about ourselves. And we need to do it. We need to worship. We need to fellowship and care and disciple. And we need to reach the lost. We need to do all of that. But leaving the 99, going, going for the people of Palm Bay, like the barber that cut my hair yesterday. Don't be thinking, why would you even need to go to a barber? <laughs> you know? Came from Nicaragua in the refugee crisis in his mother's womb, you know, 40 years ago, 30, 35 years ago, maybe. Had a great conversation with him in the barbershop. Said, no, you know, I'm not against religion. You know, said, I just, you know. But so, your city has tons of people. You know, we have more in my city in Japan. But you have tons of people who haven't got a clue about the gospel, about Jesus, who loves sinners. The whole Bible is full of this message. You know, Revelation 7, went to the Sing Conference with the Gettys with my wife, few weeks ago, and, and uh, David Platt was the preacher, and the focus was missions this time. It was really wonderful, singing with 8,000 people, and the sing and talking about missions, and David Platt, he, uh, he showed us from late at night, like, sermon started at 10 p.m., they were way behind schedule, and it was lots of long-winded speakers, like, you're having the privilege of having today, you know, and... Uh, and he, he said, I'd never seen it before. He said, you know, he showed a picture of the world, the unreached people groups of the world, the leaving the 99, going to the one. And he said, uh, said, you realize the song of Revelation 7, 
can't be sung yet because that song will be sung by people from where? From every people, tongue, nation, and tribe. Isn't that a good point? Yes, this is what, why we're called. Why do we pray? That you're, I've said this in both meetings so far. For your church to, to grow, be healthy, reach lost people, disciple people, young, old, send people out for the sake of, yes, your city, Jerusalem, like Jonathan said, but for the sake of the world. And to go to those other places and do what, Jonathan? To help those places go send to other places that are lost. This is what God's calling us to do. What motivates to do this? Jesus, what he's done for us in Christ. There was a young lady famous in Japan. Her name is Miki Endo. On the day of the tsunami, on 3-11-2011, 246, the earthquake hit, fourth biggest in the history of the world. She was the, the staff for the town hall at a little town called Minami Sandiku. And her job when there's an earthquake and a potential tsunami was to go to the microphones on the third floor of this steel and concrete building and to go to the speakers and to tell everyone a tsunami has come. There are speakers throughout the villages of those small towns, town of 10,000 people. And she went to the speaker and she is telling everyone, this is like a mile in from the coast maybe half a mile in, a kilometer in from the coast. And, and she is at the speaker, young, young lady in her 20s, and she is run for the high ground, run for the high ground. This tsunami is huge. You've got to get to the high ground. And, she's, and people throughout the town are going to hire the little mountains around and the high places. And, and her co-workers are saying, Mickey, it's time. You've got to come to the roof. And she stayed at her post on the third floor. Telling everyone, her, her mom and dad later said, they listening to their daughter's voice, saying, run to the high ground, go for the high ground. And her parents said they suddenly heard her voice stop. And if you see a picture, I don't have one, but of the building before and the building after, all that's left is the steel frame. And they found her body days later far away. She gave her life. For her town. Do you think the people of that town gathered to celebrate her life when they later had a memorial service for her? What do you think the people of that town did? Hey, friends, why do we gather? Is it just for us to be edified and grow? Well, yes, but there's a bigger reason, isn't there? We gather to worship Jesus who gave his life for us. And what else do we do? The same thing the people in that town do. They gathered to remember her life. No one said, well, I'm kind of, sorry, mom and dad. I was kind of busy that day. You know, no, everybody went to her memorials. Yes or no, everyone? Yes. Remember, that, that relates to, we're not the main point today. But the other thing they did, they wanted to tell everybody in Japan about her. She's famous in Japan. Miki Endo, look her up on the internet. Why is she famous? What did she do? She gave her life for the 10,000 people of Minami Sandiku. Friends, we have a bigger, better message. Jesus, who gave his life for sinners. And so we come today, we worship, yes, we gather each week to remember what Jesus did, but we also gather and train and give to say, how can we be a part 
of spreading the fame of Jesus. How can my gifts be used? Probably most of us won't be like those Moravian missionaries that became slaves on slave ships so they could go preach the gospel to slaves. That's on the table too. Or Mr. Stone in a mission conference like this. And he was a carpenter, owned his own little business, and he'd always fall asleep at missions conferences. Not for me. No relation to me. And one day a carpenter got up and said, well, I'm not so good at talking, but, you know, I'm good with these. And for the last 10 years, I've been going around the world for a month or two a year, building schools and church buildings and houses for missionaries. And, you know, that's my story. And he sat down. Mr. Stone said, I could do that. <laughs> and he did it. He came to Japan. He built three of our buildings that we have in Japan. Using his gifts. It takes the whole body, everyone. I told you the story uh, five years ago of the rescue of Jessica Buchanan in Somalia. She was, you know, her, her uh, SEAL Team 6 came in, rescued her in the middle of the night. She had been a prisoner for 90 days. And I don't think I asked you, though, was it just those 15 SEAL Team 6 guys who came in, found her, who rescued her? Was it? How many military folks here were military sometimes? How many people were involved in that rescue? Hundreds, maybe thousands, you know. The, the people on the computers with these satellites finding where she was as they moved her every two days, you know. The, the mechanics for the helicopters, the, for the pilots for the planes that they parachuted out of, every, everything. Friend, this is the body of Christ. All of us are different, and the body of Christ needs all the gifts to reach our city and to reach the world. But the thing that's the same is with Jesus, thank you. Jesus, that you saved me. Take my gifts and put me on mission for you. Take my money and put me on mission for you. A mission conference can be dangerous. Think about your faith promise. So at a mission conference, the family I stayed with had the biggest house I had ever been in. He was only 34, had done an investment banker, had made so much money. When the assistant pastor came to pick me up, he said, whoa, what a house. I think there are unreached people groups in that house. You know? <laughs> it was so big, you know. The last night of that mission conference, John Piper preaching, he asked, he told people at the beginning of the sermon, he said, you can talk during this sermon because I'm going to ask some of you to come forward at the end of the sermon to make a commitment to do something radical for Jesus for mission in response to his gospel. And he, uh, it was a very powerful John Piper sermon. It was, it was incredible. And I was sitting with them, and they started talking during, I, I was staying at their house, they started talking during the worship during the sermon. Guess what they were talking about? A radical. They'd been infected by the mission conference the whole week. And when it came time for people to come forward and meet with an elder, 100 people from that church went forward that night. One of the elders said, we have a hard time defining unction. That was it tonight. Unction of the Holy Spirit. He said, Dan, excuse us. They went forward. They downsized that big house. Took a year or two. They, did they, you know, they said, we have so much more. We don't need all this. We have so much more we can give to the cause. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Came to Japan to visit us. 
were open to be missionaries. Went back to using his gifts to make money, to be radical, to give a lot away. We need all the gifts, everyone. Amen? You believe this biblical? It's not just the Gospels. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? New. Now, is this about sanctification? Is this about when I first memorized this as a kid, but in college, when I really came to faith, started growing, Lord, help me to be sexually pure. Lord, I want to read your word. Lord, I want to be holy. Is it about that? Yeah. But what's the first rule of interpretation? Let Scripture interpret Scripture. What's verse 18 about? New what? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Jesus came. He loves sinners. He's reconciled us to himself so that what? And gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. That is, verse 19. Let's read it together, verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Yes or no? Being new in Christ calls us to be on mission. And again, where's the love of Christ in this? Couldn't fit it on the PowerPoint. Verse 14 says, I am constrained. Three C's, different, depending on the translation. Controlled by the love of Christ, constrained by the love of Christ, the old King James, and compelled by the love of Christ. You see how this all fits together? As we grow, as we sing, a worship leader has such a great opportunity to help people see the love of Christ. To think about the places in the world, because so many of the Psalms, like you did this morning, where we can remind people, we're worshiping here, there are all these places, we do mission because a lot of places God is not worshiped. But we're loved, friends, and he calls us to go on mission. Last story, and I'll end. My son Danny, the oldest one, when they got in trouble and, uh, that I was telling you about, <clears throat> I got a call that I mentioned earlier from uh, the school before we started our high school, uh, across two hours away on the other side of Tokyo where he was going every day, two hours door to door. And Carol called me and said, Dan, you got to get home. Danny got suspended from high school. And I said, uh, and I might have told you guys this story, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And Danny, uh, I said, Carol, put him on. Now, here's my Pharisee heart. Guess what my first thought as a missionary father was? I'll just confess. Any parent want to guess what my first thought was? Shame. Me, not Danny. What are people going to think of me? We'll just put that aside. God got me by that, and I started talking. Danny, what did you do? And he said, Dad, could I please tell you when you get home? And uh, tell me now, what did you do? You know, I said, Dad, please, can I tell you when you get home? And I said, okay. And I was ready to hang the phone up. And I'll hop on the train. I'll be right home. And, and I remember when I was a teenager and got in trouble, prodigal kind of sins, prodigal brother kind of sins. And my dad, he uh, told me, said, Dan, I love you. And nothing you do can change my love for you. And the Holy Spirit brought that to my memory. So I'm on the phone ready to hang up. And I told Dan, I said, Danny, 
Whatever you did, I know it was wrong and bad, but I want you to know you can't change my love for you. I love you. And I hung up the phone, and I got on the train. I'm thinking, oh, no, what did he do? Oh, maybe, maybe it was that. No, it wouldn't have been only three days if it was that. <laughs> Three-day suspension. And I uh, got home, and he told me what it was, and I didn't let him know, but I was kind of like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> and we started reading Ephesians, early verses of Ephesians 5 together and memorizing it and talking about it. Don't look. Try to figure out, yeah, I wonder what he did, you know. And uh, went back to the principal the next day and prayed together and talked. And, and uh, Danny cried and repented. You know, I think that's when he really came to faith for himself, that stretch. And a few days later, maybe two weeks later, he said, Dad, you know when you told me on the phone that you loved me and that whatever I did, my behavior and my mistakes and sin couldn't change your love for me, that was really powerful in my heart. Thank you for telling me that. Now we hear that story. I didn't have a perfect father. I haven't been a perfect father. There's a whole range of our fathers and mothers as we hear a story like that and can be different emotions. But the emotion... The thought we all want to have is our Heavenly Father. Whatever you have come from and whatever you have done with your kids for today, we can come to our Heavenly Father who is waiting at the gate to run and welcome us back. And like my son Danny, to put us, to put us on mission. He goes in the inner city of Atlanta in a very poor, difficult part of town. On mission. Because Jesus came on mission for him. All of us are called different ways to go express that, but we're all together as the church to go be a part of that. Amen? Amen. This verse, last verse. Can we say that together? Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you came to save sinners. We praise your name. We love you. Because you first loved us and your love is full of grace and mercy and the cross and the resurrection and all this gospel. And we praise you today. We believe the gospel. Maybe some of us, maybe some of these covenant children here for the first time to say, I believe that and profess our faith in you. Say, I want to join the church. I want to be baptized. Some of us, we've been playing with you as pretend Pharisees, older brothers, not really in the party. Maybe today is a day we say, Jesus, I am such a fake, a sinner. Would you forgive my sins and help me? I run to you. I want to be in the party. And Lord, we pray that all of us, as we are moved, compelled, constrained, controlled by the love of Christ, that we would genuinely say, get down on our knees tonight maybe. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this at this mission conference? Show me what you want me to do with my life, with my money, with my time, the way we raise our kids, the way we influence our grandchildren, all of these things. Lord, would you lead us? Bless Covenant Church. Thank you for our partnership all these years. May the blessings to Covenant Church be even more in these next years. Use this new building to be a mission center for Palm Bay and for the nations, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.